All right, so I know I say this every week, but I really do mean it from the depths of who I am. You're going to need to take notes this week. You're going to have to get notes. So I don't care if you use your phone. No texting, though. Oh, please. (laughs) Get your phone out. Take notes. I don't know if you got one of them nice core little notebooks over there. If you don't, go get one. Uh, Plug. Hello. Uh, (laughs) Take notes. We also got notes for you on the front of your seat. Because this is going to be a topic that I think that you have heard before if you've been in the church for a little bit. Um. It's going to be a topic that you may have known, but I actually think that we have to get this right. Someone say, get it right. Get it right, because I think this word anointed, someone say anointed. This word, we understand it kind of, but we use it improperly, and we don't understand it. So we're going to talk through it. I thought, I thought that this, this was going to be a really easy series. Sometimes when I plan ahead, I thought that this was going to be a really easy series. I got into my prep this week. I started studying, and I spent eight hours... Eight hours of one day literally just trying to understand the word in Greek and Hebrew. I got no words on the page. I was like, what is this word? No words on the page. So this is one of the actually more difficult weeks that I've had prepping. But I I believe that this is going to change us. Y'all ready, church? Amen? Y'all ready? Here we go. I'm going to encourage you. Pull the train along with me too. Let's go for this. We're going to learn something fresh and new. God's going to show something to our hearts that we've never heard before. And I'm really excited. Let's jump right in. The reason why I wanted to do this series is this. My heart, my wife's heart, our heart, especially here at Core Church, Heart Church, is that not one soul would miss out on what God has for you. That not one soul would miss out on the life, the life, and the more life that God has promised you in Christ Jesus. That not one person would miss out on achieving everything, going through everything, walking through everything that God has for them. My prayer would be that not one soul would receive depart from me I did not know you not one soul would receive get away from me you wicked lazy lazy servant but everyone who hears my words today would receive well done good and faithful servant that's our heart here that's our heart here that's why we do this week in and week out it's for the one but I want every soul to get it Jesus says, I've come that you may have, and this is the amplified version, that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. And there are so many people in the world through so many different vices, so many different trials, so many different um, thought processes, ideologies, doctrines. they, They miss out on the fullness of life. They might think they're full, but they're not. Jesus says it could be overflowing for you. Does anyone want overflowing? Then we need to understand some things. Now, when I present this scripture right here, some of us might be thinking different things of what overflowing looks like. Um, If I'm to be honest, I think of selfish things, that I'm going to be really happy. Anyone else with me? Come on now. That my house is going to be really dope. All the toys for the kiddos. That my, yeah, no. Warren, you get a stick. Enjoy for six hours. (laughs) Um, I think a stick. I think of um, overflowing my, like my bank account's going to be exactly where I want it to be. That my job is just going to be easy and I'm going to get promotions without even trying. And I think what happens when we go to an overflowing place, we think of overflowing for me. But here's the point of overflowing is that you have a capacity for your cup. The whole point of overflowing is that it pours out on others. That's the whole point of life overflowing. And if I'm here to tell you anything today, that the crux of life or the, the thing in life that ruins you and me is actually selfishness. In whatever varying degree, whether it's selfishness in your thoughts, selfishness in your habits or your actions, or just selfishness in your heart, it kills you from the inside out. This is why it doesn't even have, listen, let me say this. It doesn't even matter if it's a Jesus thing. How good do you feel when you give? When you just serve your community, when you do something nice for you. You know, I'm in the Starbucks line. I'll buy it for the person behind me too. Go ahead. Then it's like $42.95. No, 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 not really. For three drinks. Starbucks got crazy. 
Anyways, the whole point of it being overflowing is that your cup only holds this much. It's supposed to go to others. The gift of the overflowing life, all who are listening to me today, the gift of the overflowing life comes with the call to a great service. It's not overflowing so that you just keep trying to put more in your cup. It's overflowing so that it can be given to others. When you understand that, you step into a whole different level of operation in the kingdom. Ephesians 2 says it like this. Oh, this is so good because it talks about the gift of life and at the same time the call to serve. Look at this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Oh, that's such good news. Someone say amen. It's not in your own works. It's not in your own effort that you're saved. It's not in your own righteousness. No, it's the gift of God alone that you are saved. If only you would believe that he is Lord, that he did come in flesh, live a perfect life, die and rise again from the grave. If that is you and you believe that from the depths of your heart and you're ready to turn from your past and walk with him into all the eternal calling that he has for you, then you are saved by grace alone. It is the what? Gift of God. This life, this overflowing life on earth and everlasting is a total gift. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't pay for it. You don't deserve it. It is entirely a grace-given gift. Not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. So you've been given this grace to be saved. And for what purpose? To go and do good works. The overflowing. The life is full so that it can then be poured out. Amen, church. I hope you catch that today. So then it brought to a question to my mind. Can I, an ordinary person with flaws, mistakes, character defects, habits, can I do great things? Isn't that what we all want to do? Don't, in the depths of who we are, don't we want our life to mean something? From the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor, don't we all want to do something great? Wherever you come from, whatever background, don't we want to be great? Am I the only one? So can I do a great work? I'm here to say yes. And here's where the anointing comes in. You can do great things but not because of your humanity. You can do great things, but not because you're something special. You don't have Patrick Mahomes' arm to throw football. You can't paint like all, who's the dude who did this? Michelangelo, right? Sistine Chapel. Huh? I think it was. Da Vinci, you know, Mona Lisa guy. Not all of us have that thing. I bring those skills up on purpose because we're going to be talking about skill in a moment. But I think even ordinary people like you and me can do something great. But it's not by our own strength and it's not by our humanity. It's not by our minds. It's not by our willpower. No, no, no. It is solely because there is a call of God on your life. That is the only reason you can do anything great. He's the one who strengthens and empowers you in the first place. It all, someone say all, it all comes from him in the first place. Look at this. He says it right here in 1 Peter 2, 9. I got it tattooed on my arms right here. But you're a chosen people. Someone say a royal priesthood. We're going to talk about that for a second. A royal priesthood. If you confess and profess the name of Jesus that he is Lord and Savior, you are now a royal priest. I don't feel like one. That's okay. You are though. That's who Jesus calls you. That's what God calls you. That is now your identity, a royal priest and a holy nation. A people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 
Oh, you become something so brand new when you give your life to Jesus. A whole new level of operation. But this word priest is a weird word. I don't know your context. I don't know how you were raised, what you believe about the priesthood. Um, I will say that mankind has messed up quite a lot. Yeah. But in the context of what Jesus is talking about here through Peter, he's talking about one who is ordained to serve in the ministry of building the kingdom. But can I jump into some history? Are y'all ready to jump into some history? In order to be a priest, here's the thing, is like you don't just wake up and say, I'm a priest today. In order to be a priest, something had to happen to you in which an authority, someone say authority, an authority had to go over your life and anoint you. Someone say anoint anoint you. We'll talk about that word in a moment, but a priest needed to be anointed by authority, consecrated, set apart for the great work. You can't just declare yourself the president. No, everyone goes and establishes you as the leader of that. Ultimately, God's the one who establishes all authority in the first place, but you get what I'm saying is that something has to happen for you to be set apart and different. Church, believer in the way, the truth, and the life, something had to happen in order for you to be set apart and to be different than the rest of the world. Are y'all catching me? This is why Jesus says you're in the world but not of it because you are now different. You're anointed. You're consecrated now. And you're set apart from the way that humans operate. So how did they do this? This is where we talk about anointing. Old Testament, hello, Exodus chapter 29. I just read this this week. There There was Moses and his brother Aaron. And Aaron was to be the Levitical line, the priesthood line. In other words, everything that was to be done in service to God was through the priests of Israel. And that was through Aaron's lineage. Okay? And so how did they prepare, set apart, and consecrate Aaron? I know I'm giving you a theology dump, but this is vital to what's ahead. Okay? Then you shall take some of the blood. Someone say the blood. It's vital. The blood is what cleanses, it's what forgives, it's what sets you apart. And so what needed to happen is this blood that is on the altar and some of the, someone say anointing oil. Oh, this is kind of an interesting verse here, isn't it? The blood of the lamb or the ox and some of the anointing oil and take it and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. In other words, the blood and the oil applied through the anointing set the priests up to serve in a different capacity. They were not just ordinary men. They were set apart, consecrated to do a great work. So you've been listening for five minutes now, eight minutes now. And what is anointed? Please write this definition down because you might have heard this term in church. I want to give you, again, the Nick Miller way. I've studied hours and hours and hours figuring out what this word is. Anointed is this, being equipped and positioned by God's hand for a great service. It is given everything that you need, put in the right place at the right time, given the right office or title, not by man's hand, not by someone else's cool thoughts, not by my own visions of what things should be right. It's by God's hand. Someone say by God's hand. Man cannot do this. It's by God's hand for what? To be overflowing for a great service anointed, equipped and positioned by God's hand for a great service. I use his hand in particular, that verbiage in particular, and you will see why. Now, the tagline for this series is called From Field to Throne. If you haven't caught on, we're going to be talking about the life of David and to see what it looks like to live out the anointing that God has over you. Look, David was anointed himself. Please put this up here. 1 Samuel 16. And the Lord said, Arise. After what had happened is you're going to see that Samuel goes to Jesse's house. We're going to anoint the next king. Set him apart. Consecrate him. Give him everything that he needs to step into the position. He goes through all of the sons. And now, arise, anoint David. He's out from the field. This is he. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. 
And look at this. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Hey, big distinction. Upon, on his shoulders, not within. That's when Jesus comes. Okay. From field to throne, the whole point of this series, as we survey the life of David, we're going to learn about the walk of the anointed. Someone say, I'm anointed. We're going to learn about how to walk this out. Um, So here's the hard part, and I'm going to answer some questions today before we get into the meat. Are you all ready? The question that you might be feeling, Nick, this all really sounds good. Okay, this is compelling. I kind of want to listen a little bit. The question that you might have is, am I anointed? Am I anointed? I don't feel that special. (laughs) I don't. Uh... I don't feel that different, maybe. I haven't really done anything great, maybe. In fact, my life's been really difficult. And you're talking about anointing, and this doesn't feel like me. Am I speaking to anyone? Am I anointed? Well, when you believe in the way, the truth, and the life, I think you are. Can I give you evidence? This is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, This is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, remember, our definition of anointed is being equipped and positioned by God's hand for a great service. I've read this, this verse so much to you all, and here's fresh revelation for this. You will receive power. That sounds like the equipping, the use of tools, something that is going to help you to accomplish whatever it is that you're called to do. You will receive power. Someone say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Not, not when you are skilled. Not when you're really awesome. Not when you figured everything out. When God's hand is on your life. That's when you'll be equipped What else? Positioned. And you shall be my witnesses. There's your office. There's what you are called to do. There is your job. Priest. To declare his excellencies. Both in where at? Your position. Jerusalem. All Judea. Samaria. And as far as the remotest parts of the earth. I have discovered that this scripture is all about anointing you and me. That you would be equipped and positioned by God's hand for a great service. Jesus, he's speaking about the equipping and positioning of the disciples. You can put this up here. He's speaking about the equipping and positioning of the disciples. And I'm here to tell you today, I love that we started out with that song, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is integral. It is necessary, pertinent in the anointing process. I would go as far as to say this, that without the Holy Spirit, ooh, the anointing has not come. I will tell you, and I'll give you, um, I'll give you clarity later. I know that that might be hard to hear for a moment. We'll get there. The Holy Spirit is integral to the anointing process. So Jesus is having this conversation. Jesus dies. He rises again. And we're in Acts chapter 1. He's meeting with his disciples. They're saying, hey, is the time now. Like, are you going to establish the kingdom forever and ever right here, right now? We saw you rise again from the grave. This is crazy. Just do it. Jesus says, not yet. He gets them together and he says, you need to wait. I hate that word. It's not an easy word for me. You need to wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father has promised, which he said, you have heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Here's the thing about anointing that we need to talk about for you and for me. Christians, believers in the way, we get this wrong. You want to step in your appointment before your anointing. Too many people want to jump ahead. I'm going to say it like this, and I'm going to get a little Pentecostal. Don't schedule your appointment without your anointing. Yeah, you know, thanks, babe. Don't schedule your appointment without your anointing. Don't move yet. You haven't been consecrated, positioned yet to step into that priesthood service. Now, you might be sitting there saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm missing something. Wait, we'll get there, I promise. But some of us want to step ahead 
And we're trying to figure everything out and we look like a whirlwind as we're trying to step into our position or trying to step into what we're anointed to do. You have not yet been anointed or positioned or equipped yet, so chill out. Wait. And if you have been anointed, it will happen. Be patient. Be patient. But don't step into it yet. Be patient. God will get you there. But I love what he's talking about when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wait, it's not many days from now. I want to say it like this. Our anointing and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. So where the Holy Spirit is, there you will find one who is anointed. Where one is anointed, there you'll find the Holy Spirit within. They are inseparable. Amen, church? Are y'all tracking? Is there any questions? Is there any questions? Because I know this is a lot. This is different. Okay. Our anointing and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. Can I give you evidence? It says in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He's writing to the core church. He's writing to you and to me. He says, now he who establishes us. That's a tricky, when we read this sentence, we don't know really what that means. So I'm going to give you an understanding, perhaps from the Greek. Now he who confirms us, who makes it known that we are in fact believers in the way, the truth, and the life. He's not talking about just Paul. He's talking about all who believe in the way. Someone say all. He's talking about all who believe in the way. Now he who confirms us with you in Christ Jesus. In other words, we all believe in Jesus. And anointed us. There's that word. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you believe in Jesus, someone say, I'm anointed. Yes, if you believe in the way, the truth, and the life, I'm anointed. Anointed us is God who has sealed us. I talk about this all the time. That the Holy Spirit is given as a deposit, guaranteeing what is yet to come. It is a pledge that you will indeed receive everlasting life. It is a promise that you, in fact, are a child of God. So upon belief, when you are confirmed, when you are a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, when you are his son or his daughter adopted in, you're sealed and given the Spirit. Someone say, that's good news. It's not some overwhelming, crazy thing. It's when you believe you're sealed with the Spirit of God. Therefore, you're what? Anointed. Upon belief. You're sealed with the Spirit of God, and you're anointed. They're inseparable. That's why I can say confidently today that you are, if you're a believer in the way, you've given your life to Jesus, you are a royal priesthood, consecrated, set apart for a great service. How are we anointed then? Again, the Holy Spirit and the anointing are inseparable. How are we anointed? Because... Like David, no one came up to me and poured some horn of oil on my head. If you did have that experience, wow, that's pretty interesting. But I wanted to share the Old Testament definition of anointing with you and the New Testament definition of anointing. How are we anointed? Go ahead, you can put these up here. Yep, yep. Someone say masach. Masach. Yeah, you got to say it. Masach. That's the top Hebrew word right there. That is the word that is used when David is anointed with oil. Masach. And what that means, it means to smear, anoint, or spread a liquid. Smear, anoint, or spread a liquid. You would say, um, and this would happen in the Old Testament, that if someone was sick or if they had a rash, they would take an ointment and anoint that rash, smear and, and spread a liquid to heal. So that's what it meant when, when it says that David was anointed, there was a smearing, a spreading of a liquid all over his body. And then the New Testament word for this is creo. Someone say creo. And this is what happens. In doing, that's, um, that's a fancy word for uh, like to put on or to clothe. Clothing Christians with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's that word that's used in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter one. So we have the smearing or spreading of a liquid 
putting on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'll put it like this. When you're anointed, here's what God, New Testament believers, after Jesus has risen from the grave and ascended into heaven, you are anointed by God's hand and he is taking the Holy Spirit and spreading his presence all over your life. God has smeared his hand over us and anointed us with the Holy Spirit. You're anointed. And again, I think the church gets some things wrong sometimes in throwing this term around. But I can confidently say that if you have given your life to Jesus, he has taken his hand, consecrated you, set you apart, and marked you with a seal. Anointed. I want to give you more. 1 John chapter 2 says it like this. And this, I want to preach it in context, but I just want to give you evidence that you are in fact anointed by God. He's, he's talking about false teachers. He's big on making you aware that there is false teaching out there. He says, as for you, the anointing, someone say, I'm anointed. The anointing, the special gift, the preparation, the equipping, the positioning, which you have received from him remains where? Permanently in you. That's what the anointing is in a, in a New Testament context. You have been smeared and covered with the presence of the Holy Spirit and it remains in you, church. You have no need for anyone to teach you. In other words, he's saying, and, and I'm not saying that you don't sit under leadership. What I'm saying is you don't need to let the world tell you how to live and how to think and how to feel. You have the Spirit of God who's going to show you all things. Bring to remembrance all that he's told you. He's going to teach you and tell you of what is yet to come. But just as his anointing, what is the anointing for the New Testament believer? teaches you. I just referenced that scripture. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you all things. The anointing, my friends, is not your skill. It's not your passion. It's not what, you're, what you love to do. No, your anointing comes only from the Holy Spirit. That is how you're anointed. But just as his anointing teaches you, giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as his anointing has taught you, you must remain in him, being rooted in him, knit to him. Church, your anointing is the Holy Spirit, inseparable. Did I give you guys enough evidence? I love it. Smeared so as to put on the Holy Spirit. Anointed. So then the question, great, I'm anointed. <laughs> what am I supposed to do then? What is God equipping me and positioning me to do then? What is it that I'm supposed to do? I love this question. Because truth be told, that's up to God. I don't know. I wish I did know. But the thing that I, I love about the church, and I think that this is where the modern church gets it wrong as well, is that we take a, a look at someone who's anointed, and we say, I have to do and be everything that they are like. And no, I see when the Holy Spirit come that there is a diverse body that is created, yet perfectly unified. We are one, but we are completely different. And some of us are going to be anointed to do different things. And that is wonderful. Look at what Paul gives us insight. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, He gave some as apostles or people who are going to establish and build the church foundationally. There are some as prophets who are going to speak the truths of the unseen of God and share it with the world so that they can hear. Some as evangelists who are going to be massive spreaders of the word. They just go and they draw people's ears to Jesus. There are going to be some pastors who are called to shepherd. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I correct this term real quick? We throw that word pastor around a lot for people who are not, in fact, pastors. 
And, and this is where, can I do some course correction? This is where some of us are let down by our pastors, but I'm going to say that maybe you have an incorrect expectation of their anointing. Or they're trying to operate in something that they might not be. A pastor is one who shepherds and looks over the flock. And we ask some evangelists to be pastors when they don't have the anointing to look over the flock. And so we get upset. Why don't they care about me? Why don't they invest in me? Why don't they disciple? Why don't they care for me? We've just for some reason put money in their hands and say shepherd the church when really that's not their anointing. And we get disappointed and we say, you're bad when really, maybe they're just not operating in the office that they're supposed to. And then, and then there's teachers, which in the same breath kind of have the same problem. Some people are just meant to teach the word of God. They receive revelation from the pages that it's like they have blue letter or purple letters in their Bible that nobody else can see. But maybe they're not anointed to pastor as well, but they have some eloquent words and they can teach, teach, teach. But it's so diverse. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, not to just have a full life and be happy hunky-dory the whole time. No, it's to be overflowing so that you can work, so that you can step into a great service. For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Not one anointing. I'm going to course correct and, and, and give you even further insight. Not one anointing is better than the other, my friends. I, I hate church jealousy. I hate church comparison. I hate when people hold it over themselves or hold it over others that they're, quote, better than the other. Every person in this room, if you call yourself a part of court church, you are not above serving and cleaning toilets. Not even I myself. You're not above working in kids' ministry. You're not above greeting. No, no, no. All of us are anointed and everyone is incredibly special and unique. For if we don't have the elbow, our body is falling apart. But everyone wants to be ahead. Stop it. He has equipped and positioned each of us diversely to be one body. It's amazing. It's amazing what he does. Anointed. I want to keep going. So we who are many are one body in Christ. Individually parts of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ, look at this, anointed to do different things. The Holy Spirit, the smear of his presence over our life, positioning us and equipping us that differ in different ways according to the grace given to us. That means it's God's hand. It's not up to Nick Miller's vision. Oh, you seem kind of like uh, put together. Why don't you run the accounting? No, that's not me just trying to find giftings and skills. No, it's all about anointing. To the grace given to us is to use them properly. If it is prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if it is service in the act of serving, keeps going. To the one who teaches in the act of teaching, to the one who exhorts or lifts up or encourages in the work of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity. Did you know that some people are anointed to be brilliant business minds to bring wealth into the house so that way we can go out and make a difference? That's an anointing. To the one who gives with generosity, to the one who's in leadership with diligence, to the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Guys, do you see that there are so many different anointings? God's smear of your life, equipping, empowering you, positioning you for a great work. I know I'm preaching today. So then the last one, last question I have that you might be thinking, where do I even begin? Where do I even begin? who I'm anointed, I'm smeared, and but I don't know what's next. Where do I even begin? Who's got the book in the house? Someone get the book out. We're going to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to be looking at the life of David. Look at that crown right there from field to throne. You better believe it, baby. I love it. Anointed from field to throne. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's towards the front of your book. If you got it, you might want to get some of those little tab things. They help you out. They do save your life. I'll tell you that. Here we go. Um, 
I want to I want to say this before we give get started. David gives you and I insight into the difference between anointing and appointment. This is where your mind can go. Is when you hear this word anointing, you can immediately go to the appointment. Folks, slow down. Build a relationship. Continue to walk with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the appointment will come. But we hear this message and we try figuring out the appointment. I want you today, oh my goodness, I want you today to go home and just walk with the Holy Spirit. That's it. I love making messages and I always want to give a practical walk away. Like what can I do differently? Today, the only practical thing I have for you is go home and walk with the Holy Spirit. Start praying to Him. Start talking to Him. Start reading about Him in His Word. And the appointment will come. Don't try sorting it out. It will come. It will come. David gives us insight into the difference between it. Here we go. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and said, Surely this is Lord's anointed. So remember, at this moment, I want to give further context. Saul, someone say Saul. Saul is the king of Israel right now. And he messed up. Oh, he messed up. He was actually anointed by God to be king. He was anointed by God to be king. And then... He did not obey God. And God actually says, and I pray that he would never say this about anyone in this room. I regret anointing him king. And so he took it back. And you'll see the Holy Spirit is overwhelmingly integral in this process. And he established a new lineage through David. Someone say David. So David was the son of Jesse, and Samuel receives a call. He says, I have to go anoint the next king. I have to smear this oil over him so that he's equipped and positioned to be the king. And so Jesse, he parades out his son. The first, the tall, tan, and the handsome Chris Elson walks up, flexing on people. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah. And Samuel's like, oh, this is the guy. Chris, I love you, dog. When they entered, they looked at Eliab and thought, surely, when you look at him, surely, this has to be it. This is the guy. Tall, tan, and handsome. He's smart. He's eloquent in speech. He's a leader. He's been through some fights. He's been, he's been a, a faithful servant of his father. He's been an integrous man. This has to be the guy, right? The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I've rejected him. Ooh. For God, whoa, 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 God does not see as man sees. Since man looks at the outward appearance, someone say, God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. This sermon is, is titled Qualified. <laughs> and I want to tell you that none of us are qualified to receive the anointing. You could not be perfect enough, eloquent enough, strong enough, leadership enough, have it all together enough to receive this anointing. That's why it is a gift. That's why it's a gift. But you and I, this is the problem in the church. We have a natural habit of looking at the outward presentation and declaring it anointed. I've been around many people who have been extraordinary in many giftings. And there is a clear distinction between someone who is gifted and anointed. I look at someone, she's one of my dear friends. Her name is Jordy Welch. If you don't know her, she's incredible. This girl can sing the paint off the wall, my friends. Like, she is like, oh my gosh, me, Ben, everything, I'm out. But she also carries the presence of God within her. And it is different than any Adele song. It's different than any popular song that you can hear in the world. It's different than any great singer because the anointing of God is on her to do great things. 
and she has found her office, she has found her operation, she has found her call, and she has stepped into her appointment, and it just seems easy, and it is so fruitful because she's been equipped and positioned by God through the Holy Spirit, through His hand, anointed to do what she is doing. But qualified, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm a normal kid, born and raised in Monroeville, normal-ish family dynamics. Brother, split home dynamics, hard past. I'm not qualified. I'm not some perfect person qualified to be a preacher, to be a teacher. It's through God's anointing. It's through the Holy Spirit that I can step into this. So please don't get hung up on the term qualified because you might be sitting here saying, how can I do that? That's great. You can do it through the help of the Holy Spirit. How can I step into this? It's by the equipping and the positioning of the Holy Spirit that you can do it. It's not up to you. How can David do this? Good. It's not because he's qualified to do it. It's because the anointing is on him to do it. That's good news. You don't have to be some tall, tan, handsome, buff guy to go and be a great leader in the church. No. He can use someone like Moses. He can anoint average, ordinary Peter to go be fishermen of men. Y'all catching this? Stop trying to qualify who's anointed or not. Qualified is not in the equation there. But we so often put it in that equation. Amen? And so, Jesse, they go through, not this one, not this one, not this one, not this one. Then we finally get to David. So Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, hey, the Lord has not chosen these. Imagine Samuel's like, God, you brought me here. Uh, What's up? We're not seeing any of these guys. Something's wrong. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the boys? Are these all you got? First of all, hey, uh, clearly... uh, Jesse was drinking some of that Berkey water. Same with the family. Having eight sons. God bless them. Woo! Be fruitful and multiply, right? Are these all the boys? And he said the youngest is still left, but he's out tending the sheep. God finds anointing in the strangest of places, doesn't he? Where's God going to find you when it's the time? Distant, far off, not being obedient, disassociated, out. Where's He going to find you faithful, tending to the sheep like your Father has asked you to? No accolades. No pride. Just humbly serving His Father's house. He was there when the moment came. The youngest is still left. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said to him, send word, bring him in, for we will not take our place at the table until he comes here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. God's anointing. I wrote this down. God's anointing will lead to future qualifications. He wasn't qualified right now. He was only a teenage boy. You think this teenage boy can go and be a king of an entire nation right now? You think he knows how to budget yet? Not really. I have a hard time budgeting. Sheesh. God's anointing will lead to future qualifications. He does not pick the qualified for an office all the time. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why he would use Peter. Would not Jesus have picked the Pharisee of all Pharisees? Wouldn't that have made sense? The one who can recite the whole Torah back and front? Who could quote every prophet? No, he goes and picks a fisherman right off the boat and says, let's go, buddy. He doesn't pick the qualified for the anointed spot. That's good news for you and for me. Because God can use anyone for a great service. So long as his hand is smeared and his presence is within you. It's incredible. God's anointing will lead to the future qualifications. So David's not qualified right now. He is tan and handsome, but he ain't tall yet. He hasn't been a warrior yet. He hasn't stepped into that type of leadership role yet, but he is anointed nonetheless. I want to give you some encouragement. 
You are anointed. The appointment will come. But what are you doing in that in-between time? Are you getting ready to be king or queen? So many Christians, we don't get the appointment, so we check out and quit. What? And then, wait, we think we get to a position we made it. You think that's it? Did Nick Miller think that youth pastor seven years ago was it? No, I got so much more to do. He does not often pick the qualified for an office. That's good news. So then, again, further down, verse uh, 12 and 13, we shared it earlier. So he sent word, brought him in. Now he was reddish. That's pretty funny. Beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. Yeah, he was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint David. Anoint him, for this is he. So Samuel took the horn of the oil. Now let's go through it in in a more clear way. He smeared the presence all over him. In the midst of his brothers. Whoa! Look at this spirit of the living God right here. If y'all got your Bibles, I hope that you would underline, highlight whatever it is that you would do. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Remember, the spirit and anointing are always, always tied together. It actually says the spirit left Paul. And in chapters later, it says that the spirit left Paul came upon David he was anointed I'm going to tell you like this there's three things I want you to walk away in regards to anointing and appointment the anointing always precedes the position it will always come before the position the anointing will come before the position David would go on and again we'll survey the entire journey of David for the next six weeks, five weeks after this week. And uh, Judd's bringing one of them. Come on, Judd, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It always precedes the position. Did you know that it was nearly 30 years in between David's anointing and appointment? Would you be patient to wait for that position that you're called to do? Would you wait 30 years for the office? It's a long time. But the anointing always precedes the position. That's the one thing I want you to understand about appointment is that the appointment will come, but the anointment, the anointing has to come first. Amen? So now, then let's address two more important factors or facets of the position. And um, I I, want to I wanted to zone in on some of these things because these are a little bit confusing. Uh, and, and I'm not saying we get them out of whack, but I think we focus on them incorrectly or we have incorrect expectations of these two things that I'm about to bring up. Let's address two important facets of the position, of the appointment. Number one is this, is that character is what maintains the position. Character is what maintains the appointment that you're in. Let me give you an example. Nick Miller could be anointed in this season to pastor a local church in Monroeville. Let me ask you something. If I cheated on my wife, what would happen? I'd lose that position, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. It is my character that maintains me in this position. It is the integrity. This is why we have a, and and y'all don't see it every week, but we have a prayer team and everyone eventually ends up praying purity over me and covering over me because I understand and we all need to understand that it is character that will maintain your position. If you're ever in a part where you're questioning, do I do what God is telling me to do or do I do what the world is telling me to do so as to maintain a position, I'm gonna tell you always do what God is telling you to do because it is the character or the nature of God that maintains the position. So when your boss wants you to lie and fudge some numbers over, you maintain integrity and walk with honesty as Jesus did, and he will maintain or elevate your position. I'm here to tell you that so many people, so many people get fixated on the position and forget about the character. And I have seen great men and women fall from great anointing because they have forgotten character. And I'm here to tell you today, when you look at Acts chapter, I believe it's 6, when Stephen is positioned to be a carer for the widows, a a glorified lunch boy, 
What were the qualifications? A man who fears God and who is full of the Holy Spirit. It was his character that would maintain the position. It's not that he knew how to distribute food perfectly and make the right, you know, efficient choices. It was his character that maintained the position. And his character was so royal. It was so strong that he was even persecuted for doing it so great. Character is what is going to maintain your position. More than skill. This is where we get, we're going to be talking about skill in a moment. This is where we get it confused. You think that skill maintains your position? No, no, no. That's not the point of skill. It's character that maintains your position. Character that maintains your position. Our team, our core team, high character people. We'll work on the skill stuff later, but it's high character. High character. Character is what maintains the position. Samuel said to Saul, this is, this is the mistake. This is the moment that Saul failed. Samuel was called by God to go and and." burn an offering so that way they can continue to fight against the enemy but Saul grew impatient someone say impatient character character and he took it upon himself and said get over here I'm just going to do this build the altar here we go he didn't have the character for it Samuel said to Saul you've acted foolishly You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For the Lord would now have established your kingdom over all Israel forever. But now, whoo, the anointing's out. It's gone. The position is over. The Lord has sought for himself. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Not a skilled person, not the perfect qualified person. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart with high character. A man who's in the field serving his father and doing it diligently. And when the bear comes, he rips the bear's jaw open. When the lion comes, he gets him. And when Goliath's going to come, you're going to see him slay him too. High character people. A man after my own heart. And the Lord has appointed him. Appointment him ruler over all his people because your character fell here. Do y'all see that, church? Character is what maintains the position. Not skill, not even just showing up. Character is what maintains it. Character. That's why I love having these conversations, and and I know it's really uncomfortable, but the sin nature stuff that we got to get out because that will ruin your character. That will take you out of that position. What did I say from the very beginning? My heart is that every soul would live out the fullness that that God has for them in this life. We need character. Amen, church? It's also going to be the Holy Spirit who establishes that character. It's a word called sanctification. In other words, he's going to make you more like your Father in heaven. You need to walk with him to establish and build that character. And I'll even say this. David had a lot of character to build before he sat on that throne. He went through many things that we're going to be talking over the next few weeks that built his character to maintain that throne. Amen, church? character. Number two, and we talked about it already, skill. It's not skill that gets you the position, and it's not skill that maintains the position. It's skill that grows the position. I see so many people do this, and you can find it in every field. You can find it in every occupation. You can find it everywhere. There will be pro athletes who once they get drafted, they stop developing. No, 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 my friends. I've seen so many people, so many pastors who finally get the four walls in a building and then they stop growing. I'm here to tell you today that skill is what grows the position. I go in this. The reason why I read about the word Masah for seven hours this week. I literally read about that word for seven hours is because I'm called to grow this position and I'm going to keep building who I am. I don't know if you remember who I was four years ago when we got this started, but I speak quite differently now. And it's because I'm growing and building this. I'm making stronger decisions. I'm gaining wisdom and experience. I'm bringing the right people around me, but I'm growing the position, not just coasting the position. 
And David would go on. He didn't just sit on the throne. No, he established the greatest that Israel has ever been. He went and grew it. And he would adapt and grow his skill. David was a skilled fighter. He started with fighting bears and lions, went on to Goliath, and he kept developing his skill as a warrior. You would think after fighting a bear, a lion, and Goliath, he'd hang up the gloves, baby. I'm cool, dude. I've seen my fair share. Did my job. Nah. This dude, look at what he does. He went into battle wherever Saul sent him. First of all, high character. He was honoring. And he did every battle exceedingly well to the best of his ability to honor his current king. He went into battle and always achieved success. He would fight to the very end. He was growing his skill, stepping forward. He was not stagnant in his walk. And so I don't know where you're at, but if you're anointed and you feel like you've just kind of been coasting, it's time to start growing your position. It's time to start growing your skill. If it's praying, start going and actually laying hands and praying over people, not just quietly in the front row. Start growing what it is that you're doing. Start growing your position. Stepping in with different skills, developing further and further. This man, it was pleasing in the sight of all people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Uh, He put him in charge of the men of war, right? So he's growing his position. Goes on. He comes home. Now, this is, this is pretty funny. Uh, now it happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came. Oh, my gosh, David. Big bad man. That the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and with joy and musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He grew his position and he was walking with great skill And it kept building and building and building him. If you're anointed, don't coast. Build, 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 build. Someone say build. Build it. Amen, church. I've seen anointed people, the ones that build and grow their skill, they keep going up and up. But it starts with the anointing before any of that. I'm going to say it like this. The anointed will continue to press forward in developing their character and skill as they step into their position. Amen, church? Any questions before we leave? This was a big one this week. Any questions? I can't wait for small group. Yeah, Hannah, go ahead. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead, Em. Sorry, go ahead. So you are defining anointed as the Bible portrays it. Mm -hmm. My question is, is my grandfather was anointed like on his deathbed. What is Mm. the difference between that and Mm. and your definition now? That's so are you talking like with oil he was anointed on his deathbed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is that is an outward action or an outward way of us consecrating um, or, or giving to God what is his. Have you ever seen baptism or dedication of a little child where we we'd either with water or with the laying on of hands that we give to God what is his. That's, that is a way of, again, us spiritually saying, God, receive this or this is set apart for you. This person is set apart for you. Um, and so we can do that through the, through the um, anointing of oil. Uh, God, God certainly has that within his word that that was definitely happening. Uh, and so I think that God is not, hasn't changed that that anointing with oil can still happen. Now, um, I'm not the judge of all things, and I don't know the end of all things. And so, but what I will say is that those people who did that were being faithful and standing in faith, believing that he was going to be received by God. Um, Yeah, and and anointing, this, I'll say this one last thing, the, the ointment in particular was used to heal. So that's really powerful. Uh, it says it in the, in the New Testament as well that if someone is sick, that they would call the elders and be anointed with oil. And this oil has properties. Most oils have properties that actually help the body heal. And so this is a, a huge thing, whether they were trying to help with the healing process or even consecrating or giving to God what is his. Uh, that was a step of faith. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to give the definition one last time before we wrap up. Anointed that you are equipped and positioned by God's hand. Someone say, by God's hand. 
by God's hand for a great service. Church, did y'all learn something today? Can I pray for y'all real quick? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for the believers in the house. We thank you that you are willing to take your hand and to lay it on my life to smear this oil that is the Holy Spirit and put your presence all over me and within me. Thank you, God, that I am set apart for a great work. Thank you, God, that I'm not qualified. I'm not skilled or great at any of what I'm supposed to be doing, but it comes first by your hand and your anointing and God I thank you that everything that I have everything that I do everything that I'm going to be positioned and equipped for comes from your presence and your presence alone not from me so that I may boast but from you so that I may declare the excellencies of your goodness God we thank you we thank you that anyone who calls on your name is going to receive that smearing anyone who calls on your name is going to receive that anointing of your spirit so that they can step into what you have for them the life, life, and more life. God, I pray that no soul who is hearing my words would ever, ever not receive the life that you have for them. I pray that life and life in abundance would be found here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can we lift up a shout of praise for a good God? Come on now.